Rabbi Sai, I want to speak about an interesting idea today. In the early 1900s, there was a, a medical research that was conducted, and it was actually called an interesting idea. It was called the Nun Study. That's what it was called. It was named, it was a very, very important medical research that they were doing. It was called the Nun Study. Uh, they took 700 American nuns, um, all of them were members of a school of the Notre Dame of United States Nun School, whatever it was, and they all agreed, all 700 of them, for their uh, records to be accessed by the research team investigating the process of aging and Alzheimer's disease. Now, at the start of the study, the participants were between 75 and 102. Okay, there were 700 of them, okay? Now, what gave this study a very unique, um, I guess, perspective was that 60 years earlier, the very same nuns had already been asked by their mother superior to write a very brief account of their life and their reasons for entering the covenant. Okay, now these documents were now um, analyzed by researchers and they were especially devised with a system to register, amongst other, means, other, other things, the positivity and negative emotions that they may have expressed during that time. Now, what they were trying to do were, where the researchers were able to test whether the emotional state in the 1930s had affected their health some 30, 60 years uh, later. That is the question. Now, I have to remember, these people basically lived very similar lifestyles for 60 years, and therefore they basically were an ideal group, an ideal people to be able to do research on, because most people for 60 years are not going to be in the same situation, doing the same thing amongst the same people. So it's very hard to research people over 60 years. That's a very long time. But since these nuns were basically in the same situation with the same surroundings, environment, and friends for 60 full years, they basically qualified for the best people to conduct such an amazing in, um, investigation to see how their lives have changed and what the uh, positivity and other things that they had recorded and expressed affect their lives during 60 years. Now, the results were actually published in 2001, and they were published... Uh, very, very interesting results. The more positive emotions, such as contentment, gratitude, happiness, love and hope, these nuns expressed in their notes, in their records, showed clearly that they were likely to be alive and healthier 60 years later. That was basically what happened. They figured out that when a person has in their life compliments, gratitude, and happiness, they are able to live not only a longer life, but actually a happier and more productive life and healthier life all around. Which is amazing, because obviously what medicine learned from there, and what medicine knows now, Moshe Rabbeinu, obviously in the Torah, knew many, many years previous to that, and that is the middle of gratitude, the middle of our Torah, which we'll speak about in a moment. But there's a specific reason why I want to speak about that today. The Olam were asking, on Thursday when we were on the trip, the Olam were asking, are we going to discuss the Queen? Is the Queen going to be a discussion? Or I come from England, as you know, I can't really give away my accent, it's a bit of a problem, I'm working on it. But at the end of the day, I, c I do come from England, and when I grew up, 
the queen, the queen was a very much a big discussion in the school that we went to. The queen was was very much respected, and uh, was spoken about. You know, nine out of ten people in England don't know anything but the queen. They only know a queen. They never knew the king. They never remember a time. Right? You've got to be over seventy-five years old to even, if you maybe even older, to actually remember uh, a, a United Kingdom in England with with a king. But, you know, the question is, you know, are we going to mention the Queen? Are we going to have Divi Hesoris, the Olam asked, or Divi Hesford? So, no, this is not a Hesford, this is not Divi Hesoris. But I want to mention one Nakuda, which I think is important. At the end of the day, uh, Americans maybe don't understand this so much because you guys didn't grow up with the Queen. You have a new president every four years, and if it gets in twice, it's eight years. But that's about it. Whereas for most English people, and myself included, all we know is the Queen. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, there is power, right? She has to start the Parliament. I'm not going to go into now exactly what her role was and what the monarchy does exactly in England. That's not the point. But the idea is that when we live in a country that we're able to express our religious beliefs and we're able to practice Yiddishkeit, Judaism, which is what the Jewish people in England for many, 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 many years were able to do, there is a sense of Akaros HaToyv. And Akaros HaToyv, as we will explain, is not necessarily for whom we are expressing it to, but rather a midah for ourselves. And that is something that I would like to use for a moment to explain that. Just by the way, a little bit of history, but not too much. Uh, in January 27th, 2005, it was the 60th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Um, and the place was St. James Palace. The Queen was actually there, and she met a group of Holocaust survivors. The chief rabbi at the time, uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan, Jonathan Sachs, wrote about it because he was there, and he said it was the most amazing thing that he saw. The queen was there meeting, at the time, Holocaust survivors, who, at the moment, there's not so many of them left, but at the time, 10 years ago, there were more than 10 years ago, there were many of them who were alive and well and able to talk about their experiences. And she obviously had time that she was meant to leave and the specific protocol of when she has to be there and when she has to leave and how much time she dedicated to be there and speak to every person. But uh, the chief rabbi at the time was writing that it was an amazing thing because the queen was known to be very precise in her time. She was busy. She had things to do. Paper, you know, she had places to go and everything was scheduled properly. When the time was to leave, the time was to leave. He'd been there at many, uh, you know, functions where the queen was there. But he said what was so unique was that when the Holocaust survivors were coming over to her, she actually cared about each one and she stayed a lot longer than she was actually meant to because she was waiting for each one to finish their story and she didn't feel it was right to stop them in their story. And, and, and he saw something very, very special that she actually cared about not just people who lived in England, but also the Jewish people specifically. Now, we don't appreciate very much the Queen's involvement in, you know, so much change as she saw the world change in so many years. Um, but at the end of the day, Already in 1952, which was the first year that she reigned, um, she was the patron of council of the Christians and the Jews, right? An organization that was founded by the Archbishop of Canterbury and the chief rabbi, Yosef Hertz, right? So she was very involved in the Jews and in many religions, and she held herself to be very, very much, um, you know, not just for the British people, but for all of the subjects, whatever religion they are, it made no difference. And she was very good at making everyone feel valued. But like I said, what I want to use this for is not really a history lesson, but really to express something important. You know, many people think Hakoros HaToyv 
is to express for the person that did something for you. In other words, if someone does something for you, so I have to express my Hakoris Hatoi by saying thank you, or by doing something for him, or whatever it may be. Now, that is true. Hakoris Hatoi is often for the person that did something. But what we need to learn from this and from everything is Hakoris Hatoi is meant to be a mindset. Hakoris Hatoi is meant to be something that is something that is something that we feel an obligation on ourselves and not necessarily because that person who did something to us is going to appreciate it or even know about it. Let me give you one of the most classic examples from the Torah. Everything comes from the Torah. Everything's in the Torah. There's nothing, we don't have to look further than the Torah itself. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was t- about to take Kalal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, so we know that we had the schus of seeing the Esamakas, the ten plagues, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu brought on the Egyptians, on the Mitzvim. And we know that the first three were not done by Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's take an example. When it came to the uh, Makkah of Dam, okay? So Moshe Rabbeinu was told, you have to take the stick and you have to smite the Nile. And then it will turn into Dam and all the water in the world will turn into Dam. What an incredible, amazing miracle. What happened? Moshe Rabbeinu himself didn't perform the miracle. He gave it to Aaron to do his brother. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu himself was saved by the Nile as a young child in the basket. Hakoras Satoiv, don't smite that which you gained from. Now, all the Mepharshim ask, okay, it's cute, it's nice, beautiful Tevato, it's saved by the Shabbos table, but the Nile is not going to feel whether Moshe Rabbeinu smites it or not. Why is that Hakoras Satoiv? What's the answer? The answer is Hakoras Satoiv is not whether that person knows about it or feels it or even receives it. Hakoras Satoiv is for us. Hakoris HaToiv is that when someone does something for us, when someone helps us, someone gives us something, someone gives us an opportunity, whatever it may be, we have to learn how to have Hakoris HaToiv. And by the way, I want to say this as well. One of the greatest preparations that you could do for marriage is this. When we'll speak about marriage, we'll speak about the preparation for marriage. We're a lot to talk about, Beis HaShem, don't worry. But it's, it's a meter that we have to learn. It's a meter that we have to instill within ourselves. And then as Hakoros HaToiv is for us, it's not necessarily for anybody else. There's a Modik Eloshim in the Kavayosha. Kavayosha is one of the most beautiful Sforim. If you have an opportunity to learn, if you want to learn it with me, we can learn it by Chavus, so maybe we should even give share on it. It's one of the most beautiful Sforim. The Koshnitz Magid said that you can learn more Zoya, Kabbalah, from the Kavayosha than from the Zoya itself. The Noemini Melech, Heiliger from Lejentz, Used to know the Kavayosha until he knew it by heart. 102 times the Gematra Kav, right? Kuv base. It's the most unbelievable safe in the world. If we have the opportunity, we'll learn it together. You look at Perik Yutches. And in Perik Yutches, the Kavayosha brings down, What was the first Avera ever done in this world? What was the first Avera ever performed in planet Earth since the creation of the world? This. How? Because Moshe, because the Rabbani Shalom says to Adam Arishan, hello, you're what, you know, Avera. And what did Adam Arishan say? Was it me? It was my wife. Zugrashi, Mekan Kofu Toiva, you're Kofu Toiva. The Rabbani Shalom gave you a wife to help you and you blame her. First Avera. As I stated with Baruch Mameshbush, it's the first Avera done in the Torah. That means the first record that we have of anything being done bad by human being is the fact that we don't recognize the good that we have in our lives. 
And that is something very special. You know, we say every single day. Now people run through it. Stop for a moment and realize the most incredible brachas that you have in your lives. I've said this story so many times, but I don't know if you guys have heard it, so I'm going to say it again, and I personally like to hear it. There was a class of, of um, I think it was history or geography, I'm not sure, that was being taught. The teacher gave a, an assignment to everyone in the class. Take out a fresh piece of paper and write down the seven wonders of the world. So everyone starts scribbling. This was writing the pyramids. This was writing Niagara Falls. And there's always a machoikis about it, by the way. If you look it up, every year, I think it's every year, they change what the seven wonders in the world are. But we all know, you know, the, the Gate Wall of China. There's many things that are very much, you know, we could say, okay, that's probably one of them. So all the girls started scribbling down what their answers would be. One girl just sat there with a pen in her mouth and she was thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. She didn't do it. The teacher's watching everyone writing and this girl is not watching anything, not writing anything down. She goes over to the girl, is everything okay? Do you not remember any of them? Not even one? She says, but there's so many of them. I, I don't remember. There's so many. I don't know which one to write first, which one to write second. I don't know how I'm going to fit on the paper. So let's start. Let's start with the first one. No, but there's so many. What, what do you mean? Tell me what you took. I can see. I can hear. I can move. I can touch. I can breathe. I can... Sw- can you imagine? That is what a young girl understood to be the seven wonders of the world. Now, how many of us wake up in the morning? How many? How many wake up in the morning? And if, when we say, We thank the Rabbi for giving an Hashem back. Right, Chaim? We thank the Rabbi for giving an Hashem back. Rabbi Sai, and that's what I'm saying. Over here, we're using the queen simply as a springboard for this. Because all the Jews in England and around the world, right, the seven countries, the Commonwealth, you know, Canada, wherever else it may be, have to have a certain duty of a korosatoy, not specifically for her, to her, she knows about it, she doesn't, but for ourselves. Because when we learn this midah, then we learn to express our korosatoy, not only to our roommates, our rebbeim, our parents, our wives, but eventually to the rebbeim. The chenuch famously says, the Chinuch says by the, by the idea of Kibbutz of Aim, that if we don't have Kibbutz of Aim respect for our parents, there's no way we'll never respect the Rabbani Shalom, who's the third Shutaf in, in us, in our creation. Everything is a way of getting closer to the Rabbani Shalom. We were on the trip. What do we say on the bus? That our Avoida every day in the base measures is to get close to the Rabbani Shalom. Today, on a trip, the Avoida is also to get close to the Rabbani Shalom, but maybe not in the base measures, through somewhere else. Every single thing that we have in the day, we learn together. We, every single day, we have an opportunity to express our Korah And that is what I wanted to bring out from this Yisrael, which is an important idea. We have to start learning to see the good in our lives, to appreciate it, and to express it, which is a higher madrega, as we said in the beginning. This study that was done showed and proved that people have a healthier, longer life when they express and understand and appreciate and acknowledge the Hakoras HaToiv, the wonderful things they have in their lives, which ultimately we can express to the Melech Malchei Amlochim, to the Rabbi Shalom, that will change our lives, it will change our marriages, it will change our relationships, and it will change our connection to the Melech Malchei Amlochim, the Rabbi Shalom. Let's take a message. Next time you think of something, you're walking on the street, maybe you're not learning during the street, maybe you're not thinking of Torah or Yerushalayim, obviously Shemir Sainayim, but you should be thinking about this. What do I have good in my life? Every day, I guarantee you, if you think, 
And if you want to do this, by the way, and improve everything, write on your phone. Have a little notepad uh, like place specially for this. What do I have to appreciate today? And it can be the smallest things. It doesn't have to be these great, unbelievable things. I guarantee if you do that, you will change so much about your life. Your whole perspective will change. You'll start training your brain that Hakara Satoy, gratitude, becomes a mindset, not a reaction. We said in the beginning that most people, by Hakara Satoy, do something back when someone does something for them. That's a reaction. We want to change Hakara Satoy, gratitude, from a reaction into a mindset. That it becomes a mindset with something that we live with and that's something that we actually practice and it becomes part of our life, part of our bones, part of everything we do on a regular basis. And like I said, it changes everything. It changes the relationship between us and the people that we're around and ultimately the relationship between us and the Rabbi Nishlal and Be'ez HaShem. Okay.